0: Good morning, everyone. Good to see you this morning um I just want to start off by announcing this is going to be our Christmas uh sermon series uh starting next week okay this week we're finishing off our lead by example but this is going to be our Christmas sermon series it's called this Christmas I want to learn how to and here are some of the topics we'll release the topics this way if you have a friend or family member that you that might interest them a topic so next week we're going to start with this Christmas I want want to learn how to manage my anger and if you're Like, I'm not angry. You need to come. Okay. (laughs) Um, Then we're going to go on to this Christmas. I want to learn how to resist temptation. Then this Christmas, I want to learn how to have peace with others. Then this Christmas, I want to learn how to patiently wait. Then this Christmas, I want to learn how to focus on Jesus, and that's going to be Christmas Eve. And then the Sunday after Christmas will be, uh, I want to learn how to share my faith. And then the, the first week of the new year will be this Christmas, I want to learn how to have joy. After we do all this, then we're going to get into the book of Daniel. So uh, that's kind of where we're going. I'm going to open in a word of prayer, and then we'll get right into the message this morning. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. We're thankful for each person that's here this morning, Lord. We're thankful that we could lift your name in praises. So we pray now, Lord, as we spend time in your word, learning, Lord, about how to truly be servants like you served us. I pray, Lord, that you would press upon our hearts, that we would not live our lives for ourselves, but we would live for your glory and for the benefit of others. So I'm thankful again for this opportunity that we have to be here, uh, for this time that we can open your word together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this is our final week in our series, Lead by Example, and today we're going to learn about leading uh, the example of service. There we go. Oh, go back one. There we go. Okay, so we're going to learn about the example of service. And the truth is great leaders serve others. And serving others should actually be the mark of every Christian. So there's many areas of success in life. And when it comes to leadership, people can become very successful and have many people serving them while they reap all the benefits of being served. But for the Christian, and in regard to Christian leadership, we're not looking for success that elevates us, but we're looking to elevate the name of Jesus. And the way that we actually do that is through dedicating our life to service. So today, what we're really going to do is we're going to look at Jesus as the example. Jesus is our example of service, and he explains that to all of us through a situation that actually arose between him and two of his closest disciples, and they didn't really understand the concept of servant leadership. So the account is found in Mark chapter 10. It's all going to be on the screen here. We can follow along here. And it says this, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit at your right hand and one at your left in glory. So then it goes on. He says this. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I, which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink, and the baptism which I am baptized by, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John." So in this passage, we have two disciples, James and John, and they have a request of Jesus. Their request, obviously, of Jesus was kind of a selfish and self-serving request because they said, I want to be VIP in the eternal place, okay? We want to be the VIPs. We want to be one on the left and one on the right, okay? Their mindset was wrong in three areas, and that's what I want to look at. First, they thought eternity was going to be like here. The concept in the fact that they said, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in glory. L- listen, okay? When we, when it comes to eternity, let me just tell you this. There are no bad seats, okay? There are no bad seats. Some of you have been to concerts and games and this and that, and, you know, where were you, right? You're way up there. You just got in the room, okay? So, The the truth is, there's no bad seats or no bad places in heaven. They're attributing earthly things to eternity, which is the idea that I can achieve and I can be more important than you. Now, in this world, we look at those that are in roles of leadership as more important. We feel they must be more important because they have more responsibility. Now, the worldly perspective is that they are actually more important. It is true, in many cases, they have more responsibilities, but that does not mean they have more value or worth than someone that doesn't have those same responsibilities. Now, in God's economy, each person is important and valuable to God and is important and valuable in eternity. Now, James and John, in their requests, we're showing they didn't have a full grasp on that concept. Now, second is this they wanted to have power. In verse 35, James and John say this It says, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask you. And then obviously, grant us to sit at your right and your left. They wanted to make decisions and be in charge. Hey, Jesus, here's what we want. Okay, here's what we want, Jesus, not, hey, Jesus, what do you want from me? Think about this. They were saying to the God of this universe, do what I want you to do. It's kind of funny, though, because we might look at them and say, I can't believe they said that, but don't we do that sometimes in prayer? God, do what I want you to do. You better listen to me or else. Especially in prayer, sometimes we come to prayer as if God is like a hired hand that we can boss around. And in this case, it wasn't just do what we want. It was put me in a position in which I could tell others what I want them to do so I can have power and make the decisions. You know, anytime I see someone vying for a position so they can be in power and make decisions? I always think they must have never been in a situation in which they had power to make decisions. They must have never been in a situation because if they had, they would realize that making decisions is a huge responsibility. And guess what? More times than not, people will be upset with you when you make the wrong decision, but expect you to always make the right decision. See, sometimes people look and say, oh, if I was in that position, if I was in that position of power, I would make all the right decisions, and I would get all the accolades, and people would pat me on the back, and people would love me, but then they realize, sometimes you're going to make a decision that doesn't make everybody happy. Sometimes you're going to make the wrong decision, and people are really going to be upset, and sometimes you'll make the right decision, and people will be upset with you anyway, okay? So here's the thing. Those that have never been in positions of authority often think it's about receiving glory and they fail to realize it's about having weighty responsibilities that often impact those around you and you're in the hot seat when things kind of start to go bad. So the third, they did not understand the commitment they were making. They didn't understand the commitment they were making. Jesus talks to them, asks them, he says, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink, and with the baptism which I am baptized, you will be baptized. Now here's what's happening here. Jesus is actually foreshadowing the death that he would die. He was also telling him, since you are committing to me, you will also suffer by the hands of this world. See, when Jesus talks about the cup, he's talking about the wrath of the Father being poured out on him when he was dying on the cross. The cup represents the suffering of Jesus that he will endure the cross. The baptism represents the mission he has that will culminate in suffering on our behalf. James and John, you'll see eventually, will later suffer for the mission of getting the message out to benefit others. Because eventually they did understand this concept. Jesus was using this to teach them, obviously, but to teach us. So James and John would later suffer for the mission and get the message out to benefit others. They would suffer for that mission. And their suffering will not necessarily earn them the VIP spot That they were asking for, because notice what Jesus says. He says this. (laughs) Oh boy. Okay. Up, he says this. I have it in my notes. (laughs) But to sit at the right hand or at my left hand is not mine to grant but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Notice what Jesus is saying here. He's actually saying here, hey, listen, guys, you know what? You're asking me this request. You want this to happen. But guess what? These places are already prepared, okay? The Father knows who is sitting where and who is going to have authority. So this is not something that you're going to be thinking about right now. You're just going to be thinking about following me. But finally, let's see if this is going to work. There we go. The final thing, the final point is this. They were pushing others aside. Notice it says, and when the 10 heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. Now, you have 12 people following Jesus. Two come out and say, hey, Jesus, this is what we want you to do. Now, think about this. They're all serving Jesus, right? They're all following Jesus. They're all doing good with Jesus. They're all on board with Jesus' kingdom. But these guys come aside and say, hey, Jesus, this is what we want you to do. So finally, they were pushing others aside. In verse 41, it says, And the ten heard, and they began to be indignant about James and John. They basically wanted to be first. They wanted to have the power over the other 10. At that point, they wanted to be at the top, and they did not care who they pushed aside to get to that point. See, now Jesus, what he does here is he uses this whole account to use the opportunity to correct their mindset and teach them about the mission. To correct their mindset and teach them about the mission of the Christian leader. He starts by making a statement. He calls everybody to himself. Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It is basically as if Jesus is saying to him, the way that the current world order and the unspiritual world works is the mindset that you guys currently have right now. Leaders rule and are in charge and exercise authority over people. And some of you are like, yeah, that's (laughs) kind of how we live, okay? But Jesus is saying, no, this is not how it is with my kingdom. Then Jesus teaches them his unconventional and effective form of leadership, and that is the example of service. He says, But it shall not be among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all, for even the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. I mean, if there's one leadership principle that you need to learn in life, and there's one thing in the whole entirety of the scriptures, Jesus basically sums up Christian leadership. The mindset and the mission of the Christian leader is we serve others. We serve others. If your desire, like James and John, is to be great, the way that you do this is actually through service. The way that we do that is doing things that actually benefit other people. The way that we do that is doing things that put other people before ourselves. Jesus teaches us that model in the gospel. Now think about this, okay? Our paradigm or our our perspective of leadership in this world is like climb to the top, climb to the top, climb to the top so that you can what? Have all the cool stuff, make all the decisions, call the shots, do what you want, be wealthy, whatever it is. And Jesus says, well, I know you have that in your little box, but let me shake that up for you a little bit. Here's what I'm going to tell you. You're going to put yourself last. You're going to do things to benefit other people. You're going to do things that actually might put you in a position that you might suffer based upon the needs of other people. See, one thing we love about Jesus is he didn't just say it. What do He do? He did it. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, when you study the life of Christ, you see it was a life of service. He went around. Study his miracles. What were all the miracles? None of the miracles were to make Jesus look great. Okay? All the miracles were to benefit other people. Right? Right? Even at the, at the time with his disciples, when he knelt down and washed all their feet, he was modeling to them, your life should be a life of service. And then when he stretched out his arms on that cross, he was dying as a ransom for us. He was paying the price for our sins. He was actually doing something for us that we could not do for ourselves, which is save ourselves. So when Christ was dying on the cross, when his blood was being shed for our sins, he was doing that on our behalf, not for his own glory, but for our benefit and the Father's glory. So when he died, he was dying to pay the price for our sins. He came to this earth, lived a life of service, and in his death, he was serving us. He gave his life. The scriptures tell us that Jesus Christ died to pay the price for our sins. See, the mindset of Jesus was this because he knew his mission was this. So when he was paying the price for our sins, he then died and rose from the grave to prove that he could do this for us. And the scriptures tell us this, all who believe will have eternal life. So, Jesus' mindset was service because his mission was service, and he expects that mindset of us. So now he's saying, Okay, I'm your leader. I served you. Now you go and serve others. But it shall not be so among you. That's what he's saying. He's saying, Don't, don't live like the Gentile leaders, don't live like the unbelieving leaders, don't live like the people that are basically leading and looking for power for their own benefit? It shall not be like that among you. You live like me. See, we need to have the same mindset and mission of Jesus because we are part of Jesus' kingdom, and we serve him as what? King. He's the king. We're subjects in the kingdom, so we serve the king like he served us, And then we serve others. We need to be people that are willing to serve. So then we have to ask, well, what does that look like? So as we close out this series on Christian leadership, because that's what we've been talking about for the past six weeks now, we need to realize there are three areas of our Christian leadership we really need to focus in on that we can apply all the things that we learned. Okay? Okay. So where do we apply this? Christian leadership. First is this. Your first grounds is serving in the home. What's your example in your household? In the past five weeks, we learned about being an example of faith, being an example of integrity, being an example of commitment, being an example of love, being an example of speech. Are those areas in check in your house? Does your immediate family see that in you? Do they see those things in you? No matter if you're a parent or a child, in order to be an impact on your immediate family, the people that know you best, the people that you mess up with the most, the people that you see every day, need to see the things that we learned over these past five weeks. They need to see them. No one is perfect, but your family needs to know, I'm asking the Lord for help in these areas, I'm taking action in these areas. I'm working on areas that I'm weak in. Your family needs to know you're actually trying, okay? You actually have heard this and said, you know what, I need to do this. You know what the good news about our families is we get a lot of practice, don't we, okay? The people that love us the most are really stuck with us, okay? So we get to practice a lot with them. Okay, and they see it all, don't they? They see it all. The next focus of the Christian leader should be serve in the church. What are you doing in the church? The church is made up of all of us, and the more you do, the more we can do. The more you do, the more we can do. We are doing this together. We are the body of Christ. We're not serving for the church to make a name for the church. We're serving in the church because the church is a vehicle that Jesus created, basically, for believers to be together to actually bring glory to his name, to collectively serve the kingdom of God, to bring glory to Jesus. You know, when people compliment the work of the church in the community, because like I meet people in the community, talk to people in the community, like, oh, you're a Baptist Church. I always take the opportunity to say we have a lot of committed, generous people that love the Lord and use their time and resources. I can't take credit for this. This is all for the Lord based upon the commitment of the people. So when people say, oh, I've been to that or I did that, say, you know, we have so many people. And when when we have an event, I'll say that's like pretty much 100% run by volunteers, that event right there. Just to make sure people know, you know what? This isn't like some kind of business structure, okay? This is what we do, and this is the business structure, and, and the pastor is the CEO, and this. No, no. We're the body of believers serving together. You have gifts, talents, and abilities to use to serve. And guess what? The more you're able to do, the more you're willing to do, the more we can do in this community. So if you're not serving, look for opportunities. We have a list printed out, actually, um, in the foyer. You can pick one of these up on the way out. It's a bunch of different ministries, some purpose for those ministries and what their volunteer needs are the goal of this service, this whole sermon series, remember, is equipping the next generation. The way that we equip is get people into service. The way that you learn how to serve is do it, right? Okay, We don't say, like, okay, now you got to do 10 weeks of this training and this and that. Sometimes it's just like, hey, come on out, and you're going to learn on the job a little bit, okay? We're going to make sure you're a safe person and you're not going to hurt anybody or anything like that. Obviously, we're going to do diligence in those areas, but hey, The truth is, and I'll tell you this very plainly, I would not be in ministry today if I didn't have a youth pastor who said to me, hey, Mike, do you want to help out with the youth ministry? When I graduated high school and I really had nowhere else to go, I wouldn't be in ministry today if it wasn't for Matt Mikulak asking me that question. That one question and me as a young person saying, huh, he wants me to help out? Sure, I'll help. And here we are 20 some odd years later. So the way that you really start to get to serve is just start to serve. And guess what? The more you serve, the more you learn. The more you learn and the more you serve, the more you find joy in that service. The more you realize, you know what? If I live every day for myself, I'm just gonna be a miserable person. And you know what? You can talk to people, and I can guarantee this. There's people later on in life, and if they look back and say the highlights of their life, I can almost guarantee they will tell you are times that they gave up for others and helped other people. So if you're not serving, look for opportunities. We have a list of those ministries looking for volunteers. Those are more long-term things. But we have a couple of short-term things coming up. That night of fellowship for the first lighting, I think they need people to like bake cookies and stuff like that and serve them there at that. Um, we have the live nativity coming up. Short-term things, maybe you don't want to commit to anything for a long time because you're afraid to commit to something. You know, something like live nativity, it's one night. You can come during the day, set up, serve that night, and then you're done. This church would not be what it is without the many faithful servants that have served for many years, and the goal is that will continue for decades. That's the goal, okay? That's the goal. It's not just today. It's for the future. It's for when most of us are long gone and in glory, right? But we want to know that this is continuing on. The truth is there will always be people that cannot be impacted by the ministry of the church because they will not allow themselves to get close enough, okay? So we serve within the church, right? But there's always going to be people that will not allow themselves to get close enough. You might say to a friend, like, hey, why don't you bring your family out to the live nativity? They're like, nah, I'm not going to that church. I'm not going anywhere near a church. Maybe they're hurt. Maybe they have some good reasons for not coming near a church. And maybe they have some very bad reasons for not coming near a church. But the truth is, they have reasons for not coming near the church. And the point is, as believers, we're called to impact the world around us. And so this is where it really gets even more difficult. Okay, Some people think, oh, serving in church, that's hard. This is where it gets more difficult. Serve the world. How are you impacting the world around you? Okay, So the home, remember, those are the people that love you and that are stuck with you. Well, the world... They're not stuck with you, okay? They could chuck you, okay? If you're, like, if you're not a good testimony out in the world, people won't be your friend, okay? People will maybe fire you from your job. People will alienate you, okay? So serving the world is so important because your testimony has everything to do with it. All the things that we talked about this over this series, your testimony has everything to do with how much impact you have on other people we can't expect the world to come to us. Some will, but maybe not. So your Christian testimony may be the only thing that people see to draw others to Jesus. So when we reflect on the five topics that we dealt with, faith, integrity, commitment, love, and speech, if you're not a good example in those areas, if you're not serving the world around you, at work, at school, in life, in social life, with extended families, You might be missing valuable opportunities to help others see Jesus. You might be missing valuable opportunities to help others see Jesus. See, we do not need an official title to lead people to Jesus. Right? You don't have to be a pastor to lead somebody to Jesus. In fact, when you study the Bible, some of the greatest servants of the Lord were the people that had no important title, no special education, no accolades. They were average people that loved the Lord and realized that the way that we bring the Lord glory is to actually serve him. So my call to you after all these weeks of talking about Christian leaderships, is let's be those people. Let's be those people for the world. Let's be those people for this church. Let's be those people in our homes so that we can actually impact the community and the world around us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. I'm thankful, Lord, for this this series that we just finished up today, Lord, that we could methodically go through the characters of a leader who loves you. Lord, because you're the leader that loved us and exemplified all these things in your life while you were here on this earth. And we're thankful for that. We pray, Lord, if we're hung up on any type of idea of leadership that the world has fed us, I pray, Lord, that we would see the servant leader that you are and be reminded constantly that you desire us to serve. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.